Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to conclude our series, Bigger Than Me. Somebody say, Bigger Than Me. Bigger Than Me. The first week we looked at Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth, specifically chapter 12. And Paul taught the local body of believers, and I want to stress this. I think it's so important for everybody in the room to understand. He was writing to a specific body, a specific church in Corinth. Okay, So it was a church like us. And, and this, even though we apply this to the worldwide body of Christ, when Paul was writing the letter, he was writing to a specific group of believers at, at there in that city. And Paul taught the local body of believers at Corinth that they are part of the body of Christ. So we're all part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is bigger than me, but it does include me. The second week, we study the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where Paul teaches us that the greatest of these is love. And I told you there's no loophole in love. You don't get to choose when you love or who you love. There's no loophole in that. You have to love. And, and Paul said that if you don't do it in love, if you don't serve in love, if you don't operate in the spiritual gifts in love, then you're just a clanging symbol. God's love is bigger than me but must be displayed by me. And then last week we continued in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And although we are unified in Christ, we are diverse in our giftings. He, he gifts us in different ways to serve and each one of us is equipped through grace. And we talked about that last week, what grace means and what that looks like and how he equips us through his grace to serve. And God's work through me is bigger than me and my abilities. There was once this rich man who was nearing death and he knew it. And he had worked hard to accumulate wealth in his life. And he wanted to be able to take some of that wealth with him to heaven. And uh, he began to pray. And as you and I know, that's, that's something you just can't take to heaven with you. So he just began to pray that he might be able to take some of his wealth with him. And uh, God sent an angel to talk to him and, and have a conversation with him. And, and he appeared to the man. And, and as the man expressed, I want to take my wealth with me, the angel looked at him and said, I'm sorry, but you can't take wealth with you to heaven. There's no need for it. You don't need your wealth in heaven. And uh, the, the man just implores the angel to please go speak to God on my behalf. Please plead my case before him. I've worked hard for this and I want to take some of it with me. And so the, the man continues to pray about his wealth and, and that it could follow him. And, and the angel comes back to him. He says, okay, okay, God agreed. God agreed for you to be able to take one suitcase with you. That's it. You get one carry-on bag, one suitcase and overjoyed, overjoyed, the man gathers his largest suitcase that he could find, and he fills it with gold bars. Gold bars just stacked up to the top of this suitcase. He places it beside his bed, waiting to die. Soon after, the man dies, and, and he shows up at the gates of heaven, carrying his suitcase full of gold, and, and he's greeted by St. Peter. And seeing the suitcase, St. Peter, as, as we would only imagine he would, he looks at the man, and he says, hold on, hold on, you can't bring that into heaven with you. The man looks at St. Peter and he says, no, 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 you don't understand me and God, we have an understanding about this. Go ask God about it. Sure enough, St. Peter goes and asks God about the, the suitcase and if the man can bring it with him. 
And uh, he comes back and he says, well, you know what? You're right. God said that you, you could bring one, one bag with you. And so I've just got to check the contents of it here at the security check. I've got to check the, the contents of it before letting you in. St. Peter opens the suitcase and begins to inspect the worldly items that are in the suitcase that this man simply found too precious to leave behind. And St. Peter looks at it and he says, why in the world did you bring pavement? Look at the one next to you that didn't get it and say, streets of gold, streets of gold. They, they, some, I literally just looked, I made eye contact with someone and they went, you know who you are. I will not sell you out. <laughs> As we end this series, I want to be very clear on this one fact. Please, everyone in the room, listen to me. If you're watching online, I want you to listen to, to this because this is so true. We cannot do anything to get into heaven except receive the work of grace that has been extended into our lives through Jesus Christ. That's it. Titus 3 and 5 says that he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. His mercy. You didn't get to earn that. You couldn't earn it. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says that, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Amen. You didn't do this. You simply received it. Try as hard as you want to. Work for the kingdom. Give to the poor. Volunteer around the church. I mean, you work your fingers to the bone around here. You can help people park their cars. You can greet people and, and hold open doors. Once this corona thing is over, you'll be able to pass out bulletins again. And you can wipe kids' noses. You can wipe kids' rears. You can do whatever it takes. You can teach children to memorize scriptures, which I think is an important job. You can clean the toilets. You, you can play in the band. You can volunteer for every serve month project that we have available. Work as hard as you want to, and you are still not any more saved than the person that's going to give their heart to Christ at the end of this service today. Amen. However, however, somebody say however. however. You remember that word from last week? However, this is not being used as a conjunction again today. It is adversarial to what I just told you. I believe what I just told you. But this word, however, is meant to lead you again in a different direction, a different thought pattern. It's stating a contrast from what I just taught you to what I want to tell you now. It's however, on the other hand. You can't earn your way into heaven. However... There are going to be many people in heaven from all walks of life, but not all of them will have the same reward. I'm going to mess with some of you and your theology today, okay? Just stay with me. Stay with me. Don't, don't bail out on me. Not everybody in heaven will have the same reward. And now that I have your attention, let's read today's text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, staying in the letters to the church in Corinth that Paul was, was writing, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes in his second letter to the church in Corinth that when it comes to heaven, we have a responsibility as members of the body of Christ. We're not just supposed to sit around and wait to die. 
we have work to do. I said we have work to do. Church, we have work to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul writes, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, what, what Paul's saying is we are not discouraged in waiting for the Lord's return. We believe that he is returning. By faith, we believe that, so we're not discouraged. He goes on to say in verse 8, Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Please allow me to give you an opportunity to disagree with me today, only to go home, read it for yourself, and discover that maybe the pastor knows what he's talking about. And I encourage you, if you don't agree with me today, go explore this for yourself. So instead of checking out, hear me out and assume that I'm right just for a few moments and see this as a possibility. And if you go and explore this for yourself and you see that I'm wrong, then disregard everything that I say. But I assure you I'm right. According to scripture, there are two judgments. Two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 20 where everyone will stand before God. And it's there where it will be determined whether or not our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life. If your name is in that book, then you get to enter into the joys of the Lord. You get to experience heaven. If your name is not in that book, then the Bible speaks of an eternal fire that you will be cast into. So as you stand before the great white throne, it will determine your eternity. Obviously, you don't want to experience this judgment without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, before this service is over, we're going to give you that opportunity today. So go ahead and start preparing your hearts. Listen to the Holy Spirit pulling on you right now. The second judgment that the scripture speaks about is what Paul referred to as the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is not for unbelievers. This is for believers. We will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where believers were given account of what we did with our free gift of salvation. It's not a matter of, of whether or not you make it into heaven. It's a matter of what you did with that free gift of salvation did, did we hide it like the, in the parable of, of, of the servant who took the, the talents and, and he hid them in the ground? He hid his talent in the ground and, 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 and didn't do anything with it? Or, or did we invest it and see others come to know Jesus Christ? Did we do something with this gift of salvation that he has gifted us with? Listen to verse 10 again. Listen close to what Paul writes. He says, for we must all appear. Say all. all. Looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? All, that's right. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Don't miss it. In the body, whether good or evil. The same Greek word that's used here for the word body is the same word that Paul used no less than 19 times in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we've already studied when he said that we are all part of one body. 
He stresses it over and over. He drives this point home that we are all part of one body. He gets here in his second letter to the Corinthian church, and he says that we are one day will appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Same word, in the body, whether good or evil, you will be judged by what you did or didn't do as part of the body of Christ. And our rewards consist of crowns that we will receive as rewards. The Bible speaks about five crowns. Five crowns that we can receive as rewards. The first one is what the Bible calls the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. It's people that don't quit because of their circumstances. They receive the crown of righteousness. It doesn't matter how hard it gets when they're serving God. They just keep on serving God. And to them, it's awarded the crown of righteousness. The second one is called the imperishable crown. The imperishable crown are for people who, who submit their bodies to discipline and they do not allow temptations to control them. They receive the imperishable crown. I believe people who were once addicts, who were, who were addicted to a substance, but yet they allow the Holy Spirit of God to invade their body and they become more hungry for God than they do for that substance. I believe that these people will receive the imperishable crown that the Bible speaks of. The Bible speaks about the crown of life. Those who have died a martyr's death or had to endure undeserved hardship and trials because of their Christianity, they will receive the crown of life. The Bible talks about the crown of glory. The crown of glory are people who cared for God's people. They served God's people with joy and with gladness. They led God's people. They will receive the crown of glory. The fifth crown that the Bible speaks about is the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. And I know I should be excited about all of them. But this is the one that really gets me, church. You want to find out what, what, what lights the fire inside of me? This is the one. It is the crown of rejoicing because it's a soul winner's crown. That when you lead someone to Christ... You receive the soul winner's crown, the crown of rejoicing. I don't know about you, church, but that's the one. I want to see that on my head. I want to be able to, 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 to receive that crown and know that I did my part in leading others to Christ. You may ask, well, what am I going to do with all of those crowns? What, what do I do? For some of you, it's like, well, I don't really care if I get any of those crowns or not. You will. Trust me, you will. One day, you're going you're gonna to be concerned with this because... The whole purpose of these crowns is to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Revelation 4, verses 10 through 11 says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And you created all things. That by your will, they were created and have their being. Why do you need crowns in heaven? Because it's an act of worship. And what you do here determines what you get there and what you get to lay before him. Church, I am convinced of this. You will have to prove it through scripture that I am wrong, but I know that one day I am going to receive crowns. And the whole purpose of those crowns is in worship to him. I get to lay them at his feet. 
What else will you have to offer him there? They say, don't show up for a, a, a dinner party empty-handed. Well, church, don't show up for the marriage supper of the Lamb empty-handed. It might get awkward. I don't know if there's awkwardness in heaven or not. I have no idea. But it might get awkward if you're the only one at the table without a crown. Just saying. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, I love this, we persuade others. We persuade. God, give us a spirit of evangelism on our hearts right now. Don't let us be satisfied, Lord, with people dying and going to hell. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. He goes on in verse 14. Paul, Paul goes back to that love thing that he can't leave alone. For the love of Christ controls us. You hear that? It's the love of Christ. The, the reason why we want to see souls come to know Jesus Christ is because it's the love of Christ that controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You know, church, sometimes I think we get so caught up living for ourselves that we forget to live for him. Guilty. Right here, guilty. I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I get so caught up sometimes living for myself that I forget to live for him. Verse 18, listen to what Paul says. All this, everything I'm telling you, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Do you hear that? We've been reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ, and he's not counting our sins against us. Not counting our trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul explains, church, that, that we have been reconciled to the Father through Christ and that he has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. I know there's, there's a, lot of, a, a lot of words there. I know that. But, but that's what it says. We've been reconciled, and he, he entrusts us with the ministry of reconciliation. I don't understand why he does this. I will never understand it. It seems like a flawed plan to me. Because I know me, and I know some of you, and he reconciles us. That's a miracle all in itself, but then he puts it in the hand of humanity and says, now I give you the ministry of reconciliation. What, what part of this makes sense in all of our faults and our frailty? In all of our wrongdoing and our weaknesses, in all of our, our defects and deficiency, he counts us faithful is what the Bible says. 
And he puts the ministry of reconciliation in us so that we are the very ones that evangelize and look at other people and say, I want you to know the same love of Christ that I know. I want you to understand the forgiveness that I receive can also be the forgiveness that you receive. He puts the ministry of reconciliation in our hearts. You feel it. It's burning in you right now. For some of you, before this service is over, I'm believing you will have a heart for humanity more than you've ever had before in your life. And he gives us this awesome opportunity to lead others to him. We possess the ministry of reconciliation. This is our duty. This is our job as Christians. Think about it. Think about it. This, this is amazing. I don't know why I've never, never realized it until this week, but, but God just kind of laid it on my heart. But think about this. Christ became a human body. You hear this? Christ became a human body to reconcile us back into relationship with the Father. After that ministry was complete, he ascended and he took his rightful seat on his throne. And at that moment, he empowered the body of Christ through his Holy Spirit and now he uses humans to create the body of Christ to reconcile the loss back into relationship with the Father. It's amazing. In the words of Colonel John Hannibal Smith, I love it when a plan comes together. Some of you have no idea. And his plan includes me. Whew. Are you sure, God? Because I know Rocky. And I have the ability to mess this thing up. And his plan includes you. We don't get a day off from being a part of the body. It is who we are. It is our DNA in Christ Jesus. And the apostles in the early church, they took this serious. So they began evangelizing. Men that were cowards and would not even stand for Christ during his arrest became so Powered with the Holy Spirit of God, that courage welled up within them to the point they were even willing to die and they were sharing what they knew to be true. Paul told the church in Corinth that a resurrected Jesus appeared to a man named Cephas. Then he says that he appeared, Jesus appeared to the 12 disciples. Paul goes on to say that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. 500 people at one time. Then he appeared to all of the apostles. And, and then Paul, in, in, in his writing, he says that, that he was not privileged enough to be born at the time that Christ walked the earth. It's, it's right there. He says, I was not privileged enough. I, I did not have that honor to walk the earth at the time that, that Christ walked the earth. I was not born yet. 
But he said, I was on my, my, my horse. I was riding to Damascus. I was on the road to Damascus. And suddenly I encountered Jesus Christ after his resurrection, after his ascension. He said, he knocked me off my horse. And from what I could see that day, from what I could understand about Jesus Christ that day, Paul goes on to say, he said, listen, you couldn't stop me. Paul said, I'm determined to work harder than, than all the rest because what I know to be is true is true. Scripture, scripture tells me something that, that disturbs me, though, church. Man, I'm telling you, you better get ready for 2021. Scripture tells me that hell enlarges itself. That should keep us up at night. It says that hell enlarges itself, it's growing. And that it opens its hungry mouth for people from all walks of life. It doesn't matter if, if you're, you're, you're noble or not. It tells us this. You can be what everybody else looks at as the most successful person in the community. Or you can be the homeless guy. That sleeps in cardboard boxes. Hell is enlarging itself for you. As most of you know, for the first eight months of this year, I had what I'm going to call an opportunity to fill the commission seat for Commissioner Matt Herson when he moved to South Carolina. And, and it was an honor for me to be asked to serve that, in that capacity for three months. It turned into eight months because of the virus. But one of the abilities that the, the city commission has is to regulate growth. And, and with varied opinions and, and very meaningful discussions during my eight months on there, we would decide if new neighborhoods should or should not be developing in our city and within our city limits. In its most simplistic form, we could control expansion. I'm ready for hell to stop expanding. And I believe that we as ambassadors for Christ, that we have the ability to control that. I, I believe that we can deny all future growth for the city limits of hell and that we as if I haven't already ticked Satan off enough this year we Destiny Community Church Satan I'm putting you on notice we will do our very best to populate heaven It does not matter their race, their economic status, their sexual preference, their education, or their political party. 
we will operate in the ministry of reconciliation because eternity is bigger than we are. Eternity is bigger than me. Would you say those words? Eternity is bigger than me. It's bigger than my preferences. I don't have time to get into everything that Paul said, but, but he talked to them about their worship style and about how some of them preferred a, a, a certain worship style when it came to the gifts of the Spirit operating in their services. And Paul just paints this picture of there are some things that are just more important than how you like to worship, whether you like a hymn or whether you like modern worship. Whether you think people should be able to give their hearts to Christ sitting in a seat or coming down around the front. He said, there's just some things that matter more. And church, I'm letting you know that the ministry of reconciliation that he has gifted to the body of Christ, this has to become a priority. I believe that in 2021, we are going to see more people come to know Jesus Christ than we have in the first 14 years of this church combined. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm, I'm still talking, man, and I know I, I should have shut up a long time ago, but you know, when the pastor says he's closing and that person next to you says, oh, don't stop, keep going. Everybody in the room wants to look at him and go along. <laughs> there was this time in Thessalonica. The Bible says that for three straight Sabbaths, Paul stood up in the synagogue and he preached that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to die. There were Jews there that were having a hard time believing this thing. And for three straight Saturdays, it would be equivalent to our Sundays, for three straight weeks in a row, he preaches the same message. If I got up here and preached the same message three weeks in a row, some of you would think I lost my mind. For three straight weeks, he preaches the same message that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to die and to be raised from the dead. And the Bible says that through this teaching that he convinced some of them to follow Jesus, not all of them, but some of them to follow Jesus. And, and, and some of them, they were, they were Jewish leaders, uh, uh, or there were some Jewish leaders that were nearby and, and they, they were upset that Paul had led these people to, to trust in Christ. This was heresy to them. And so they went out, get this, they went out and they found the angriest people of society out on the streets and they organized them as a mob. And they raided this guy named Jason's house. Some of you never even knew that there was a Jason in the Bible. It is probably the most normal name in all the Bible, Jason. And they raid this guy named Jason's house. In Acts 17 and 6, we read about it. And it says, and when they could not find them, they're looking for Paul and Silas. It says, when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting. Listen to what they said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. 
Oh God, let us be accused of turning the world upside down. Man, I hope they say that about us. That, man, those, those men and women down there at, at, at DCC, those men and women at Destiny Community Church, they have turned the world upside down. I, I mean, there were, there were broken marriages, and they turned them upside down. You know what a, a broken marriage turned upside down is, right? It's restored. It's reconciled. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Yes. There were homes that were upside down, and they turned them upside down. They, they, they brought them back to, to, to a reconciled relationship with the Father and with each other. There were, there were lives addicted to substances, and they turned them upside down in a ministry of reconciliation. Man, I, I'm closing, but, but I promise you I am. I, let me get the band and praise team up here. If y'all get up here, I'll stop. I've recently been accused. Y'all better get up here quick because I'm, I'm airing it all out right now. I've recently been accused in the form of, of a backhanded compliment. That I'm gifted at leading people to Christ and teaching them to serve. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, like I said, I'm not convinced it was a compliment, but that's what they said. And what they, ha they have no idea is that's the greatest compliment you could ever give me. He gave some to be pastors to equip the saints for ministry. And if I'm accused of anything, let it be for leading people to Jesus and to teaching them to serve in the body of Christ. If I get everything else wrong, let me get that right. It might be God. Answer it. <laughs> Revelation says, After this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Eternity is bigger than we are. And it's time that hell shrinks. I want them to begin closing off corridors of hell. That it just becomes a ghost town. That no one ever inhabits that area. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.